arriva ai 25 metri carica il destro Cannavaro tira il This goal was scored by Fabio Cannavaro for Inter against Regina in the 2003-2004 season, hitting the top corner from some serious distance. It was a fantastic strike, we'll be uploading the video on TikTok, so make sure you check that out. Bro, the only defender to ever win the Ballon d'Or, mm -hmm. and he's 5'9". There's hope for you in this world. Oh, I'm, gonna win a <laughs> I'm gonna win a Ballon d'Or from centre-back. You might not, but you can. I can. Thank you, thank you. You know, sometimes when I feel odd about being 5'9", I look up celebrities that are 5'9", and I feel slightly better about myself. Who's 5'9"? Who's 5'9"? Conor McGregor okay. is actually 5'9". Is actually Tom Cruise is like 5'8", 5'7". So those are a couple of guys that are my height slash shorter. But Fabio Cannavaro, what a fucking guy. It's funny that we uploaded a goal uh, from his Inter days, which is probably the team he is least associated with out of the teams where he is... Played. In fact, he spent most of his career in Italy. He started out as a youth with Napoli and he was promoted to their senior squad in 1991. He had spent four years at Napoli and he played 58 games and he even managed to score his first professional goal, which was against Milan in San Siro. Yeah, I bet he remembers that one. Um, it was all going swimmingly for Cannavaro, bro, um, mm -hmm. at Napoli until, you know, um, the post Maradona era really hit Napoli hard. And they were desperate for funds and were forced to sell Cannavaro to Parma, um, where he stayed until 2002, actually. He played 212 games for Parma and scored five goals with them, bro. Yep, Parma, and then on the other hand, would be the team that Cannavaro is associated with the most. Some people might yeah. think that it's Juve, but that's because they're probably our age. Um, yeah. He is, in fact, a, a Parma legend. Yeah. Um, he became a regular starter there He earned the captain's armband And he even won the Coppa Italia And his only European trophy Which was the UEFA Cup Back when Parma <laughs> were a powerhouse And Gigi Buffon was there as well He was also named in the Serie A team of the season And he was the defender of the year On one occasion as well He made his senior debut with Italy too When he was playing with Parma And um, in 1996 Parma finished second behind Juve and Serie A Qualifying for the CL actually So, so Cannavaro actually played in the Champions League with Parma My god, my god um, Yeah, and then when they qualified for the Champions League They played the group stages They came second in the group stages Behind Borussia Dortmund Who were the champions at that time And they're actually eliminated Because back then yeah. only first would go through so someone's been around for quite some time man yeah that's true um he moved to winter for 23 million in 2002 it's difficult 3 million was a lot for a lot of, in 2002 then, 23 million is a fuck crazy, time for a defender crazy um, he didn't enjoy his time at Inter, bro. Um, he was often played out of position. He struggled with injury, and particularly that thigh injury. Mm. Um, he's since spoken quite negatively about his spell at Inter um, in comparison to Juve and Parma, of course. In fact, he had only spent two seasons there, and he moved to Juve in 2004. Uh, the deal had involved the exchange of their reserve keeper at the time, who was Fabian Carini. He left for Inter. And both players were priced at 10 million, so we could call that a bit of a barter. Um, at Juve, obviously, he was reunited with former Parma teammate Gigi Buffon. 
yeah, it was all going well for him once again, um, but he seems to be, you know, at the right place at the wrong time. You know, yeah. Napoli first being forced to sell, and then of course, um, Juve in 2006 suffering, well, suffering, being punished for the Calciopoli um, incident. Um, he, they were relegated to Serie A, and he therefore moved to um, Real Madrid, where he lifted the Ballon d'Or for his efforts with Italy in 2006 in the World Cup, where they actually won it, you know, and he lifted it as captain. Yep, it was that summer of 2006 where, you know, everyone was was aware of Calciopoli and it was the investigations going on. Everyone's waiting for the news to see what's going to happen to Juve. In the meantime, Cannavaro was playing his heart out in the in the World Cup for for Italy and they lifted the trophy and in the meantime he was also negotiating a move away from that mess um, and he joined Real Madrid as well yeah. and he lifted the Ballon d'Or with Real Madrid but it was due to his efforts for Italy and Juventus as well yeah definitely um, a mere 7 million is what Real Madrid paid taking advantage of Juve's um, desperate need to make fans and players forcing yeah, their way out. Probably the cheapest Ballon d'Or player in history, <laughs> man, 7 million. He also wore Zidane's number 5 shirt at Real Madrid. I remember that. Yeah. I um, remember. He eventually went on to leave Real Madrid in 2009. He was given a standing ovation by the fans on his final match of the Bernabeu. This will be the last time he was probably celebrated as a player um, <laughs> in a top league at least because then he rejoined Juve on a free where his relationship with the fans had already been a little bit fragile as many fans viewed him as a traitor due to the fact that he left to Madrid as um, they were relegated. Yeah, uh, when he did rejoin Juve, a fun fact is that they played Real in, uh, in 2009 in the Peace Cup in, in summer, in, in pre-season, and Cannavaro scored. And it was, I believe, Ronaldo's second game for Real, or, or one of his first mm. three games, because Ronaldo's first one was for was against Shamrock Rovers, and winning that got them to the final of this. It was something like that. And he scored on his return, and he, and he didn't celebrate. So that was quite sweet, and probably gave you, the fans, a reason to hate him even more. <laughs> um, things got, went from bad to worse for Cannavaro, of course, with Juventus, as in a UEFA Europa League tie against Fulham. Um, Juve had won the first leg 3-1, mm-hmm. and were winning 1-0 at Craven Cottage in London. And early in the first half, Cannavaro accumulated two yellow cards. Yeah, two really. clumsy yellow cards. Two very clumsy yellow cards, yes. Uh, reduced to 10 men, Juve collapsed and lost 4-1 and were el- eliminated on aggregate, of course. <laughs> um, Cannavaro enraged supporters with his sending off and his um, role in the team's elimination, quite frankly. And it wasn't only in the UEFA Cup where Cannavaro struggled. You know, he was part of a Juventus team that finished 7th in the league that season, with Cannavaro starting, and it was in fact their worst finish in a decade. He was deemed unreliable by the fans, and his contract wasn't renewed. Napoli didn't even want to sign Cannavaro, despite Cannavaro publicly declaring his desire to join them, and he ended up playing for Al-Lakhli, in 2010 for just one season before retiring. Yeah, not a very glamorous end to his career, but of course it was a very glistening career for him. Yeah. Um, he won pretty much... No, no, he didn't win everything, but he won some of the highest, some of the best things you can win. And the man literally player. lifted the World Cup and the Ballon d'Or, you know, in, in two seasons. He played yeah. for Real Madrid, he played for Juve. I mean, the man shouldn't really 
have any complaints over there. Champions League yeah. would have been nice for him. Of course, it? but he played with Juve, I know, for the majority. So that was <laughs> exactly. never going to happen. In fact, his only European trophy came with Parma, despite <laughs> playing for Inter nuts. and Juve. <laughs> That's nuts. So we spoke a bit about, you know, a couple of, of controversies when it comes to Cannavaro. He's certainly been no stranger to them. Do you remember that thing? There was the night before the 1999 UEFA Cup final. A video had like come out of him being injected with a substance in his arm, bro. I remember, bro. I was only four years old. I was watching the video. <laughs> uh, no, come on, the news, bro. Yeah, like. No, I, I, I did look into it. Um, it turned out to be Neotin, apparently. Um, excuse my pronunciation. Yeah, just, let me like call fo- Joe Rogan yeah. for a second. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, it's something you can inject into your body. It's used for cardiac surgery to protect the heart, heart during periods of um, stress, basically. Mm-hmm. It helps produce muscle energy, apparently. Uh, it's not on the banned substance list, though, and Cannavaro, therefore, got away uncharged. It was, however, then in 2009 that Cannavaro failed another drug test, this time with Juve. But it was claimed it was medication given due to a severe allergic reaction to a wasp sting. Mm -hmm. How interesting. Due to the urgency of the situation, Cannavaro could not request permission before taking this medication and the charges were eventually dropped. Yes, and the most recent one came in February 2015. Cannavaro and his wife Daniela, along with his brother Paolo, were handed quite a few month-long prison sentence. Um, It was actually 10 months for Cannavaro, um, 4 months for his wife, and 6 months for his brother. Because they breached orders and entered Fabio's residence after it had been seized by the authorities in 2009. That was Um, because of some fucking tax tax evasion. evasion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. My God. All three have appealed and will have their sentences suspended until the final judgment has been made. And apparently it has not been made yet. Oh my God. Well, a bit of, maybe, a bit of preference for the World Cup winner, huh? Yeah, maybe. (laughs) It could be. I want to give a shout out to his brother Paolo. Because Napoli did want Paolo. And... You know, he was a leg- he's a legend at, at Napoli. Yes, he is. He actually has 238 appearances for them. Well done. Um, he actually left, though, in 1999, along with, um, with his brother. They both went, went to Parma. Um, but then the, the difference being that Paolo actually did go back to Napoli, where he spent between 2006 to 2014 over there before moving to Sassuolo and eventually retiring in 2017. Yeah, not not too long ago, man. And I remember having Cannavaro in the league, but I remember him with Napoli. I can't really recall him um, at Sassuolo. Sassuolo. Well, Fabio, and then, on the other hand, has had a shift in career as he's shifted to management. He's had stints with, okay, bear with me. He's had (laughs) stints at Guangzhou, Al Nasser, Tianjin (laughs) Quinjan... And China. And China. I know that one. (laughs) (laughs) That's a bit easier. But yeah, I highly rate Fabio Cannavaro as a a great defender. One of of my favorite Italian defenders in history. I'm not going to Mm. compare him to the likes of Maldini and Nesta, for example. But he was definitely an elegant centre-back and an absolute thief, man. The man really knew how to tackle. He did, he did. He was a very good defender, of course. He had a lot of grinta, you know. He had a lot yeah. of, He was very aggressive and he really made up for his, mm. his height. 
yeah. with his massive balls, he used basically. To, yeah, pretty much with his massive helium balls. He used to jump really high. I remember him jumping really high. And I remember he didn't used to mind a little swing of the elbow when, uh, when he went up for these headers. These pre-Vardies. Must have been quite a nightmare for any striker that played against Italy who had Cannavaro and Materazzi oh, as, yes. as the back two. Can you imagine? Hello and welcome back to another episode of Say a Spotlight where you're hosting Jake and Matt and Andiamo Berlino Beppe Ashbin. Yeah, and they fucking went all the way. They went all the way, bro. And six, and now once again, incredible scenes. You could hear through that commentary piece the work of Fabio Cannavaro. He was amazing that tournament. Oh, that double tackle was was yeah. absurd to say the least. It you know was. what else is absurd, bro? You beating me in the prediction series? No, episode 37. <laughs> <laughs> episode 37. Well, okay, with, with three games to go, season one is going to be 40 episodes long. Well, probably we'll, we'll come out with like a, a rounded up season one of Serie A Spotlight. So it's called yeah. 41 episodes, something of the sort. It's really cool, bro, that we have a log. Like, you know, we can go mm-hmm. back in, in the future, like when we're 50 years old, and just listen to the podcast and see how that season in 2022 went. That's pretty cool. It is cool. It is cool. Probably, you know, the world would have fucking ended by there because we Probably. live in a world of viruses and wars. Yeah, we'd be speaking Russian by we'd- then. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, fact, say... But yes, guys, if you want to have a log of us talking football, don't forget to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and also give us a nice little rating on Spotify, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, or wherever the fuck you're listening. It'll help us heaps. That would be grand, guys. Thank you very much. Um, Shall we quickly run through the prediction series? Okay, okay. Let's address the prediction series. Of course, you beat me. 12 7. I'm now one behind with three matches to go. Yes, this is as tight as the league, bro. It is as tight as the league. I have a lot of supporters behind me. You there's have Flynn, there's yeah. Gabriel. I don't have a single person who has told me, come on, bro, you've got this. Well, why would anyone tell you that shit? To like? be honest, bro, I'm, I'm kind of like right now, it pains me to say it, but I'm kind of like Juve when they were on that nine run. I I was destroying you at the point, bro. I was absolutely annihilating you. If you go back a few episodes, ah, you were beating me four or five nil, bro. I think possibly even six. Like, no, shut, shut it, please. (laughs) It was like four or five, and I remember I had to call you something weird. Yeah. For a while, what, what was it again? Um, the Not the oracle. The oracle. The oracle. Yes. The oracle. But bro, let's just say I have something special. If I do take it home, I have uh-huh. a little announcement I would like to make. But let's save that for if I do win the prediction series. I what I trying to do? Give everyone a hard on. Oh, that's not... what I'm doing. I'm trying to get people to tune in, bro. Ah, respect. Jake's <laughs> got a surprise for us, guys. <laughs> Matthew owes me three k. <laughs> But anyway, please. <laughs> yep. So just like last week, we are going to be reading out the results with Jake Beat Boxing in the background. Um, 
Am I actually gonna do that again? I I I would like you to, bro. I would like you to. I just had a whistle every thing. now and then. But that that's gonna throw me off. I might think it's half time, like. <laughs> um, sure. Come on, let's do this. Let's go. Okay. So Milan managed to stay ahead of Inter after beating Fiorentina one 0 with a Leao goal in the 80th minute. Inter did manage to get back to winning ways, beating Udinese away from home with the score of 2-1. Napoli redeemed themselves, beating Sassuolo 6-1 at the Stadio Diego Armando Maradona. Juve, once again boring, but managed to get past Venezia with two goals to one. Roma and Bologna were held at a nil-nil stalemate. Spezia gave Lazio the game of their lives, but Lazio got away with a 4-3 away victory. Atalanta and Salernitana ended 1-1 thanks to a late passage goal. Cagliari were defeated at home. Verona away winning 2-1. Empoli lost at home to Torino with the score of 3-1. And the Derby della Lanterna finished with a victory for Sampdoria. 1-0 with a late penalty miss for Crisciuto. Oh, yes. You see, that's quite enjoyable, bro. I would enjoy listening to that. <laughs> I don't know One day we're gonna get like I like the podcast, but that fucking <laughs> the beatboxing <laughs> part. <laughs> <laughs> just Terrible. skip, 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 skip. <laughs> but um, things are finally taking shape in Serie. A. We have the four Champions League teams um, qualified, ready. Of course, Confirmed. Milan, Inter, Napoli, and Juventus will be featuring in the Champions League. Of course, um, Roma, Lazio, Fiorentina, and Atalanta continue to battle it out for that Europa League spot. Spot as Verona linger in the background. The relegation pool is still a complete mystery right now, you know. So it's still very exciting, guys. Yep. Um, tomorrow. By the time you're listening, maybe it would have already happened. There's Salernitana Venezia. It's a massive. It's gonna one, be massive. That's a relegation six pointer if I've ever fucking seen one. I can't wait to watch it, man. I will yeah, same six talk. o'clock right after work. We should just record a fucking episode yeah, dedicated live, to that game, man. A live watch A live viewing. But anyway. It's actually not a bad one. It's not, and, and we should look into that for next season. Mm-hmm. But anyway, um, shall we get, get down, bro, to it? Sure, I'll kick this one off. So the first game we're going to be covering is Milan 1, Fiorentina 0. So we all remember the reverse fixture. It was Fiorentina 4, Milan 3. There was that Ibra Doppietta. There were a couple of goals for Vlaovic as well as Saponara Screamer. And with Tatarasano on goal, of course, for oh, Milan. Yeah. Milan have officially won two consecutive home games for the first time in 2022. Quite a surprising one, bro, considering they've been undefeated for so long. That's um, true. Fiorentina were coming off a 4 0 home loss to Udinese and a 2 1 away loss to Salernitana. So a bit of a dip in form here for La Viola in their, in their quest for European football. Hmm. Milan, on the other hand, are coming off an impressive away victory against Lazio with the score of 2 1 and are unbeaten in their last. 13 Serie A games now. So, regarding the play-by-play, it was just the one goal in the 82nd minute by Leao. Terracciano really had no passing options and his long pass ended up falling straight to Leao, who took advantage of a disorganized Fiorentina defense, to say the least, who watched as Leao finished into the near corner where probably Terracciano could have done better to keep it out as well. He committed really early. Um, and the ball literally went went straight into his path, but he yeah. had already dove, obviously. What did you make of this game, bro? So, I think that Milan had a lot of control on the game, but risked really fucking everything up. Um, there was that opportunity by Cabral when mm. Mike literally saved Milan. What a save. By that was an man. incredible reaction save. 
Um, but you know, I think that right now the the offensive line of Milan really leaves a lot to be desired. Um, you just look at the statistics, for example, you look at the possession held, for example, you see Leao had the most from Milan's forwards with 2.1% possession. Mm. You compare that to, for example, Saponara, he had 3.3%, Nico Gonzalez had 4.5% um, of possession, um, Diaz 1.1%, Messias 0.9%. So Messias mm. wasn't involved in the game at all. I can't even remember a single situation where Messias did something. I genuinely forgot that Messias yeah. played, bro. He was he was un- unremarkable. Yeah, Giroud 1.5 again mm-hmm. percent. Like it, it's not enough. You know what I mean? It's they they still... really struggle to contain, to hold the ball, to fucking create opportunities to do anything with it. To be honest, uh-huh. and it's it, it's still inevitable that that Milan have most of the work in the team that needs to be done is in the final third with the striker, the mm. right winger, and the attacking midfielder. These are Three obvious changes that need to be addressed by by Milan's board, as they will be addressed in the in the summer market. So obviously Milan's still struggling to get goals. But if there's one thing that I noticed is Milan were much more patient to get that goal. It was the 70th minute, the 80th minute, and Milan weren't you know kicking the ball mm-hmm. up directly to Zlatan and and pressing and and going all out. They were patient. They were playing the ball around overlapping, changing changing of play from one side to another. It was patient. This is a young side that is experienced in being in this situation, man. Definitely, that's the point I was about to make. Um, how many times have Milan found themselves in, the, in this situation? You know, the 80th minute, they need a goal. Um, being rash, you know, being impulsive, trying to make the headlines, you know, and all that. And I think finally there's a little bit of calmness, a little bit of serenity, a bit of belief in it. Mm-hmm. You know, believe they they believe that they can do yeah. it. And be it the Tonali moment, be it a while back that moment in Portugal. Remember in the Europa League fucking playoff against that penalty, that penalty shootout, oh, never wow, ending that's one. Crazy remember one, that yeah. many of these guys were there. Like many mm. of those these guys sure. remember that there have been many character molding moments and this is a young team and there will continue to be more moments like this if this group can stay together it will be very promising oh 100% 100% now this group that you're talking about have only managed to score 61 goals this season this is the same amount as Verona and it's less than Atalanta Lazio Inter and Napoli mm. on the other hand Milan have only conceded 30, so half of that, which is second best to Inter, who have conceded 29. Could this be a repeat of that Cappello season? You know what I'm talking about when I say that Cappello season. That Cappello season was incredible. Milan conceded 15 goals in a season, My just God. 15 goals, scoring only 36, 36 in 34 the, games. That exactly. was the crazy part. That's man. the crazy part. That's you win a league by scoring 36 part. goals in 34 games. That explains it. You've conceded only 15. <laughs> that was prime Maldini and prime Baresi, of course. Yeah, of course. Milan won the Champions League that year as well, fun fact. I don't think we'll be seeing Milan win the, the Champions League next season. Um, but yeah, we might be seeing something similar to those numbers with regards to goals conceded. I mean, uh, that, that back line is only going to improve together over time it'll be interesting to see what happens with Kalulu with Botman coming in mm-hmm. um, whether Kalulu will be taking that right back slot ahead of Calabria so that Milan can have another captain on the bench 
whether Romagnoli is going to stay because he suddenly loves the club after he realizes that Lazio are broke. Yeah, <laughs> he he realized that Milan's offer is actually more than Lazio, so he might actually stay. There's a lot of news right now. Everything needs to be taken with a pinch of salt, of course. I'm not even like entirely sure about the Botman thing. You know, everyone's talking yeah. Botman, Botman, Botman. How, how like certain is confirmed? Like everyone's yeah. speaking like Botman's confirmed. I don't think Botman's confirmed. Everyone talks as though Botman and Renato Sanchez and have arrived, when in reality, we don't even know who Milan's owners are going to be next season. You know, <laughs> exactly. So the budget might be more, the the priorities might be elsewhere. Like we might, Milan might have a different fucking sporting director. Probably not. That probably won't be the case. But basically, mm. we don't know. Exactly, Elon Musk might buy Milan, you know what I mean, (laughs) literally never know. Um, But yeah, so we spoke a little bit about Milan here, Um, obviously we don't want to get too much into, you know, are Milan going to win the league, are Milan going to do this, are Milan going to do that. Milan have three tough games left, it is away to Verona, at home to Atalanta and away to Sassuolo. Today week, me and Jake would be, what, three days away from, four days away from, from going up to Milan to watch the game. So, yes, both sir. very excited here. But let's talk Fiorentina a okay. little bit in the um, meantime. Fiorentina, bro, um, played decently, much better. A good reaction compared to their 4 nil defeat mm. to, to Udinese. As I mean, it's, it's hard to be worse than that, you know? <laughs> Um, I thought that Amrabat put in a very good shift. Mm-hmm. I really like Amrabat as a player, and you know, and I, I even think like if Milan are looking for a vice Kessi, you know, because again, Renato Sanchez, everyone talks about Renato Sanchez, he's not a vice Kessi, you know what I mm. mean? Amrabat would be a decent vice Kessi in my opinion. I, I would never start Amrabat. Um, I, you know, I don't think Amrabat would would start for for Milan but having him on the bench is a good option off the bench someone to bring up when you know you need someone to stop play and 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 crush a couple of guys Um, but I don't think it'd be a long-term solution to Milan's defensive midfield problem Perhaps not. Yeah, he'll be a good. He'll be a good player, like a rotational player to kind of challenge for that spot, exactly. starting spot. He's twenty five years old, so he could actually mm. continue to develop. Um, I thought Saponara, of course, was as, uh, was always pretty good as always, Milan. you know. Yeah. And of course, I thought that um, Igor was pretty good. Too. Yeah, I- Igor has been fucking solid for Fiorentina mm. as well, man. It's a, it's a surprise, but he's it been is. So if, good. Everyone, you know, all these Fantacalcio players, everyone took Milinkovic, everyone took Quarta, but the guy was Igor the entire time, yeah. like you know. Yeah, he's who, he's who been he's been great. He's been involved in some attacks as well. He, mm. He's been solid defensively. He's got a good pair of legs on him as well for for backtracking. Not that mm. he needed to backtrack much with Giroud, um, but, but he definitely marked Giroud well. He marked Giroud well enough, and Giroud had a decent game when it comes to knocking the ball down here and there mm-hmm. as well, so it's no, it's no easy task. Um, before we move on, I want to highlight one more Milan player. Um, Is it Zinedine Kronich? Yes. Oh, Zinedine yes. Kronich. I love Kronich. I'm going to go to the game holding up a sign asking Kronich for his shirt, man. I adore the man. I adore the man. He's a fucking warrior. He, he comes on. And, and you see after 20 seconds, he's full of fucking mud. Yeah. You know what I mean? He's a hustler, man. And, and, and I adore that. And he's technically gifted as fuck as well. So shout out to Zinedine Kronich if he's <laughs> listening. He Honestly, like, there, there aren't many players on this team that look like... How am I going to word this? Oh, I think this means... This means... <laughs> 
this means a lot to Kronish, man. And you can see it, like, you know, you can see it. He, he gets so emotional when Milan take the lead, like, so visibly emotional, like, way more than many other players. It's you know true, I mean? man, like, it's true. Like, you it means see it a lot to him. It means a lot to him. And you can tell by the way he plays, you know, he's hungry, he wants to give everything, he wants to win. You know, he's probably a sore loser. Probably. And that's probably what it is, man, the winning mentality. I'm not sure if it's because he's a Milanista or whatever, that's what everyone's saying, but I'm sure that's a little bit romantic. But yes, um, big fan of the guy, leaves his fucking heart on the pitch, blood, sweat, tears, everything, man. Great, great player, great example, great professional. Um, as a squad player, I do hope that he stays for a 100%. long time. 100%. You want a defensive midfielder, you want an attacking midfielder, you want a box-to-box, you want a winger. Yeah. Kronich, your boy. You want a dead ball specialist? Kronich, your boy. He's just an all-rounder, man. And and really, really happy to have him at Milan and hope he'll be there for a while. Milan first, 77 points. Two points ahead of Inter with three to go. Fiorentina down in seventh. On 56 points, they're three behind Roma in fifth. The next game we're going to be covering is Udinese 1, Inter 2. The reverse fixture ended 2-0 to Inter, who were at home over there. Um, Udinese were coming off a 4-0 away victory in Florence, as we brushed up on earlier, while Inter were coming off a 2-1 away loss to Bologna, the one that shocked the world, the one that got Milan fans believing. Um, Fun fact about this head-to-head is that Udinese actually haven't beaten Inter in nine matches, seven losses and two draws over there. So the game kicked off, of course, 12 minutes in Perisic scores a header at the near post after a DiMarco corner. It was a routine that Inter have utilized time and time again, be it Cialanoglu taking the corner, be it DiMarco, it could be anyone. Okay, they, They have that routine, they have that drill nailed. Um, in the 38th minute, a penalty was awarded after a VAR check. There was a soft call on Zeko, who made a meal out of the slightest contact uh, from Mari inside the box. Of course, slowed down, you know, looking at the images over there, it does look like a penalty. And according to the rules, that is a penalty. Um, of course, I just find it funny how these guys, you know, these tough guys, six yeah, foot yeah. something, you know, uh, I, I athletes, mean, top athletes, just hit the ground. A penalty, you know what I a mean. A professional move by Zeko, of course. If that were my striker winning that for me, I'd be, I'd be over the moon. You know, good, good That's work it. by him. That's it. But yeah, it is one of those cases where you slow it down. You know what I mean? There it's was contact. Or, yeah. There, there was contact. Obviously, there normally is contact. But is the contact significant? Was he coming in with force? And I don't think he was. Yeah. In reality, he could have easily stayed on his feet, and everyone knows that. Yeah. In the 39th minute, of course, due to the penalty that was awarded, Lautaro stepped up to hit it. It was saved um, by Silvestri, but it fell back to Lautaro, who scored the rebound with his head and ran off in celebration, even though he had been having a bit of a stinker and yeah. actually missed the penalty in the first place. Yeah. Um, there was a bit of confusion because it was thought that the ball struck the post. And mm-hmm. according to the rules, you know, if you take a penalty, it hits the post, you can't score the rebound. Exactly. You can only take one touch. Exactly. Because that would be two touches. Yeah. But on its way back, I believe, to Lautaro, it hit the arm of Silvestri. And then Lautaro headed it in. So no, no issue whatsoever. Yeah, no issue whatsoever. Um, in the 72nd minute, Pusetto scored after a venomous Deolafeu free kick was saved well by Handanovic only to fall into the path of Destiny Udoji, who squared it to Pusetto, who made no mistake to slot it home. Um, but that would prove to only be a consolation goal. In the 80th minute, there was a VAR check for Inter, but it cancelled out a goal that had been scored. 
um, by Sanchez, I believe it was, who was in an offside position. So, bro, thoughts on the game? So, I thought Inter did well enough to beat an Udinese side that have been inspired. They went two goals ahead um, pretty, pretty, you know, early on in the 39th minute. They were already two goals up. Um, and that shows basically the importance of a team like Inter, a team like Napoli as well, nailing their dead ball situations because at the end of the day, they managed to get a goal from a corner and from the rebound of a penalty. Yeah. This has to be something that was taught by taught to them by Conte, no? Mm, probably. Because they really improved their set pieces when Conte was at the helm and I feel like that's something they kept on. Um, bringing in Shalanoglu, of course, um, did actually help them improve overall this season. But as we saw this game, it can be anyone mm. taking the set, as well, set pieces and they'll, they'll succeed. Yeah. Um, sorry, I was vomiting in my own mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Inter, bro, need to face Empoli at home now. Mm-hmm. Then the Coppa Italia final against Juve midweek. Four days after that, they have Cagliari away. And then they face Sampdoria at the Meazza for the final match of the season. Okay, um, that's a more significant. That's a way easier run than Milan's, right? Have, yeah. On paper, in theory, mm-hmm. is it safe to say that, or is it controversial? No, it's, it's it's you know it doesn't take a genius to to make that claim. No, no offense, <laughs> um, but but it is definitely an easier run, and so they have Empoli who have been struggling. Like, all right, mm. they got that win over Napoli, but that was more you know, merit. Mm-hmm. Um, aside from that, after Empoli, they're facing Cagliari, mm-hmm. who are battling relegation, but normally a team that's battling relegation, you'd be scared to play them because they're an insp- you know they're, they're inspired and, and they want to get those victories. They need to get yeah. those victories, but Cagliari actually look shit. Like, they look really bad. And then the, their last game against Sampdoria, if Sampdoria mathematically stay up by the time the last game comes about, then it's an easy win for Inter. Yeah. The only thing that gives me, as a Milan fan, a slight element of hope is their midweek final against Juve because they are simply going to want to win that and they're going to go out all guns blazing to win that. Probably, and there will have to be some rotation, no? considering that that game is four days after the Cagliari away game. Mm-hmm. Um, bro, would yes. you rather play against a team that has nothing to play for and can play without pressure or would you rather play against a team that has a lot of pressure piling up on it and is facing relegation potentially? Um, it's controversial, but but I would say I'd play against a team with no pressure. Um, and a, a team with pressure is simply going to be more hungry. And I know with... with and more nervous, though. Huh? Yeah, yeah, I know with, with nerves come with the hunger as, as well. Um, but it's part and parcel. Eh? I, I guess you need to weigh out the, pro, the pros and cons. If, if, if an uninspired team is, is playing, then there's less of a chance that they're going to be dangerous. And, you know, they might be a bit sloppy as well. Because, hey, look, we're playing football and yeah. we have nothing to play for. So I just look at Udinese who have nothing to play for and have just been killing it. And I'm like, wow, I do not want to play against these guys. Then you look at the polar opposite in Empoli who have nothing to play for and they've just been losing. Yeah. And then on, on the other end, there's Venezia who are playing with a lot of pressure and crumbling. Then you have Salernitana who are playing with a lot of pressure and killing it. So it very much depends, depends on, on the, the group of people well, on man. the manager yeah, everything mm-hmm. um, speaking of the manager mm-hmm. when it comes to Udinese it's gonna be interesting to see what, what happens with him obviously Choffi is their interim manager and he, he stepped in midway through the season 
what happens next season? Because they've looked fucking good, man, now. They have looked good, but they have to also understand that next season they're not going pl- to be safe from the get-go. So there's going to be a bit of pressure. There are going to be expectations. Um, it depends on what their ambitions are. You know, if their ambitions are to survive and be a mid-table team, you know, Shafi has proven that he can do that. He's a mm-hmm. young manager, you know, maybe they do want to take a punt to them. Maybe he's earned it. Uh, this has been a pretty solid Udinese side. Probably one of the better ones I remember in recent history. Yeah. Of course, the best one I remember was back when Milan won the league and Udinese finished third, I think yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a very good side. Um, but yes, um, I think that Choffi has earned a new contract, personally. Oh, I agree with you. I agree so with you. So unless a fantastic opportunity comes by that can't be passed, I would stay with Choffi, personally. I, I would agree. Now... You know, if I if I rub my crystal ball a little bit, I already see what's going to happen. They'll keep Chuffy. Probably the first half of the season will be a slightly different story until get the sack halfway through and, and they'll bring in someone else. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if that'll be the case at all. But the man has earned the man has earned another season and I would offer him a two year contract if I was if I was in charge of Udinese. Or move him to Watford, see they don't care. <laughs> yeah, maybe. We'll see. We'll see what happens there. Um, Inter, bro, are second mm-hmm. with 75 points, two points of first, while Udinese are 12th with 43 points. The next game is definitely the most surprising outcome we've had in the entire week. I said this game would end in a 2-2 draw, but... Same as me, man. I said 2-2 draw as well, but it was Napoli 6, Sassuolo 1, which just a, a mental encounter. So the reverse fixture was a 2-2 draw with Sassuolo at home in Modena. Um, Napoli were coming off a 3-2 away loss against Empoli, which clearly fucking pissed them off. Hmm. While Sassuolo are now on a three-match losing streak after a 1-0 away loss to Cagliari, a 2-1 home loss to Juve and now a 6-1 away loss to Napoli. Coming into this match, Napoli had been winless in their last three against Sassuolo. So in the second minute, Ozyman hit the post after Kirikes had a terrible back pass which put Ozyman clean through on goal. No. He rounded the keeper but could only hit the post. Speaking of, Jake randomly got an Ozyman kit because his ah, mother-in-law yes. was in Naples. She asked him, what do you want? And he's had an Ozyman kit. <laughs> she got him an Ozyman kit. She told me, what do you want? And to take the piss. Now, now saying this was the equivalent of saying a Ferrari, huh? <laughs> you know, because I, I told her, literally, I worded it, an original Victor Ozyman kit. It was obviously a joke, like it's like 100 euros, you know, I don't expect her to, to get me that. But she did, surprisingly. So now I am the owner of a Victor Ozyman kit. And quite frankly, I'm not sure what to do with it. But anyway. I am the owner of, you know, perfume. So yeah. consider consider yourself lucky. <laughs> In the seventh minute, shortly after, Koulibaly scored a header after Insigne gave an outswinging cross from a corner. Koulibaly jumped in and headed into the bottom corner. In the 15th minute, Ozyman scored a header. It was another Insigne corner. This time it was in-swinging. It fell perfectly to Ozyman, who headed it in off the crossbar. Kirikas was marking him, just wanted to make a note over there. <laughs> um as we can already see, the set-piece routine's working wonders. It's 15 minutes and they're 3-0 up, literally because of corners. like Literally, and Kirikas. <laughs> In the 19th minute, Lopez made an uncharacteristical error and he lost the ball due to Merton's high press. Merton's found Ozyman, whose ball across the face of goal was finished into an empty net by the Mexican, Chucky Lozano. 
two minutes later in the 21st minute this is fucking chaos bro at this point they're already 3-0 up and now two minutes later Mertens twisted and turned in the area after some nice play by Napoli and went on to cut in and finished into the near post from an acute angle he caught everyone off guard with that finish and after 21 minutes Napoli were 4-0 up what was Sassuolo's response? They sub out Juricic for Henrique in the 25th. In the 54th, after the break, Mertens plays Fabian through, who was at the byline. Fabian played it back with his first touch as Mertens curled it in past Consigli, and he beat Consigli and Ferrari, who was rooted to the line. In the 80th minute, even Rahmani managed to get a goal. He slotted it home into an empty net after some ping-pong passing by Napoli. Di Lorenzo laughed as he realised who the scorer <laughs> was. Di Lorenzo was like, everyone's getting a goal, yes. <laughs> Except for him. Yeah. In the 87th minute, Maxime Lopez got a, got a consolation. You know, he was against me on Fanta, so that really meant a lot to him. Sassuolo <laughs> overcomplicated a rather simple situation, but Lopez did well to hold the ball patiently as Ospina flopped around. And eventually, after three passes, Lopez got the consolation. So, I'm going to ask you what you thought about this game now, bro. <sighs> um... Quite frankly, shambolic by Sassuolo, no? Like a very, a, an absolutely subpar I've never seen them that bad. I have I've never, never seen, seen them, them that, that bad, bad either. Uh, never. Since coming up from Burr, I've never seen them that bad. Um, they looked like they were indifferent to what was happening as well. Just one yellow card during the four goals, the first four goals that went in, you know, show some grit. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and it was, of course, Maxime Lopez, the, the guy who probably deserves to be elsewhere and look what they're saying about Scamacca about Berardi about of course Berardi's no Berardi's an exception but you know Raspadori Scamacca and Fratesi for example everyone reads them so highly and, and they're so sought after when in reality the guys that actually do show a lot of professionalism in my opinion are Maxime Lopez and Berardi those guys yeah those those two are definitely the most professional they've got some experience as well and they get pissed off losing, man. And, uh, and that's not something that can be said about all these players. Of course, these are the elites, eh? These are the guys, like I said, that bring experience to, to the squad. Um, I mean, the other guys that you're mentioning, sure, they're fantastic players, but they're young hotheads at the end of the day. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, Dionisi obviously wasn't too happy with this performance. Um, this is quite a long quote, but basically said, after such a result, it is not easy to talk. Today it is hard to find something that went the right way. I am responsible. We did not enter the field well. Two goals from a corner kick and a few minutes after the 3-0 goal. It would be easy to find the guilty at this moment. But if the team did not do what they should, the fault is of those who train it. So here he's clearly blaming himself. Against Juve we spent a lot and received compliments. Napoli came from the bad defeat against Empoli and today had a thousand reasons to perform. We need to improve on dead balls, we need to be more physical and start dueling. The boys are demoralized but maybe we can have new motivations to face these last league matches. So he's even saying that because of this performance the next three matches are gonna be shit. That's what we say when you have nothing to play for. Sometimes you have this like weird ex- existential crisis where you're wondering, what's the point? Why, dude? <laughs> you know, um, he's saying himself, you know, hopefully we can find new motivation for the last three games of the season. What the fuck? Like, uh, it's embarrassing that he even has to say that, you know? Like, yeah, your man. paycheck should be enough. Hey, hey, 
But, you know, we, we've addressed the Sassuolo players before. Yeah. We have addressed their professionalism to a certain yeah. extent. You know, they perform well when, when there is something to perform well for. But this certainly wasn't the case, man. It seemed like, you know how Napoli are. When Napoli start firing at you and they're so dominant and so attacking and they're suffocating that teams find it very hard to adapt, especially when they concede two from the get-go and in the first couple of minutes, your centre-back's putting Victor Ozyman clean, <laughs> clean through on goal. He's playing him through. Exactly. So it was a, a, a terrible night yeah. for Sassuolo, but a great night for Napoli who managed to prove a point all too, all, all too late, mm-hmm. but they did manage to prove a point. They did. It would be... It, they need a disaster to win the league. They would need Inter and Milan to lose pretty much They need game. two That's tragedies yeah, yeah, literally. to win the league. Um, can I just say as well, by the way, bro, like, it's not easy yeah, for Dionisi to go in front of the fucking press after a 6-1 loss and take full responsibility for it. Huh? At that point, I'm sure that it wasn't entirely his fault. I'm sure there were individual... We saw them. There were individual yeah. errors and, and marking in the corner, you know, and all mm. that, but... He kept his cool, he put his pride aside, he took the blame. Like That's a very mature yeah. thing to do. He From probably, a young manager, uh, that's yeah. very good. Like He probably gave them a very hard time in the dressing room. I'm sure everyone heard him <laughs> heard him screaming. But obviously, in, in front of the pundits and, and, and in front of the journalists, he put a good front on, took full blame. No, and, it's your turn to vomit in your mouth, Yeah, man. I mean, this wine is dope. Yeah. <laughs> And, and you know, hopefully that will motivate his players. As is saying, his players are demoralized, but him taking full responsibility at least shows that there is a sense of unity between the club and the manager. Yes, sir. Um, do you think Napoli will be able to hold on to Victor Oziman, a very modern um, striker, a very, you know, young, explosive striker, can do everything on his own, pretty much? Um, probably heavily sought after from the Premier League yeah, Milan are rumoured to be interested in him if this Invest Corp thing goes through of course pinch of salt yeah um, I'll take him man Jesus Christ yeah, in a heartbeat here. I but think, I think, think that he, he I, I think he still has something to prove at Napoli man I think he's been great this season but obviously he broke his face <laughs> um, so so he was out for, for a while last season he was out as well because he was a naughty naughty boy yeah. so I think he owes Napoli a full season he d- I think he does that's a very good point you know he's had two seasons that were interrupted we haven't seen what Victor Ozyman can do in a full season uninterrupted uninjured un, you know and it's not con- like he's controversy prone, you know there have yeah. been weird occurrences dislocated shoulder that's complicated due to a lack of treatment or mistreatment rather head to head with screenyard covid these Afcon, weird things but yeah. obviously he was injured for it um but yeah i think i think he owes the club uh, a full season i think he should be in those top three top scorers with with napoli next season um, and yeah. if he has a if he has a good season obviously and then yeah he should go to Milan, in, yeah. in my opinion, after that. <laughs> yeah. What do you think? That would be fantastic, I have to admit, right? Um, if Napoli do want to cash in on someone to make some bank, you know what I mean? I think Fabian Ruiz is the guy. Fabian Ruiz is the guy. How much did, like, I'm not sure how much he would go for Fabian Ruiz. I think Fabian could easily go for 30 million. Yeah, I think easily. 30, I think 30 yeah. million. I think somewhere around that region and, and he's off. But he'll probably play out his contract, eh? That's what these players are doing nowadays. Yeah, nowadays. <laughs> God bless you and God bless America. You're that African-American baseball player. I'm not sure I get the quotation. 
No. Is it money boy? No, when Biden met the Pope and he literally told him to his face, he's like, you're that African-American bourgeois. <laughs> you player. are taking the piss. He did swear, not I say that swear. to the Pope. He said fucking worse, dog. But he I got hairy legs. <laughs> <laughs> Where they turn blonde in the summer and kids like jumping on my legs. <laughs> but yes, that, that, is, that is Joe Biden. Um, so... So a fun fact for you guys before we move on to the next couple of games is that we were watching Real Madrid against City today and Real obviously had a, had a tremendous comeback and they're through to the Champions League final. Uh, but in the intro of the game, basically it was mentioned that Maradona's Hand of God shirt has been auctioned off for 7.1 million euros, bro. Crazy. That's fucking crazy though, it's man. It's mental. It's absolutely mental. It was, of course, the original that had been worn. Um, but yes, that's a ridiculous amount of money, no? My God, I've spent, what, 80 euro on a kit? Yeah. <laughs> it's probably the, the most I've spent. Safe to say that the guy who bought it most probably is not an Englishman. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway. anyways, Napoli in third place on 70 points. There's seven points under Milan and just one above Juve now. Sassuolo, on the other hand, are in 11th on 46 points. Next up, we've got Juve 2, Venezia 1. The reverse fixture, of course, ended in that infamous Venezia 1, Juve 1 draw. Crazy. Um, Zanetti was sacked last week and we forgot to address it. Well, that's fucking shit of us. Um, It is, bro. They currently have their caretaker manager in charge who goes by the name of Sonchin. He actually played with them a while back uh, and he's also 5'9", bro. Hey! So another... Another uh, legend. Another reason for you to have hope in this world. (laughs) I'm nine. We're talking average height in Malta. (laughs) In Malta. In Malta. Juve were coming off a 2-1 away win to Sassuolo while Venezia extend their losing streak to 9 after the 3-1 home loss to Atalanta. A 9-match losing streak is fucking horrendous, man. It is. It really is. Um, Juve have won 10 of their last 12 home games against Venezia for our fun fact. Madonna. In the play-by-play, of course, the fourth minute Pellegrini struck the post after Caldara's poor clearance fell straight to the young Italian who struck it from a distance into the frame of the Venezia goal. In the seventh minute, Bonucci on his birthday. (laughs) Oh, birthday, birthday, boy. (laughs) (laughs) So the youngster Miretti started this game. 18-year-old yes. Miretti. Yes. And he was in charge of set pieces, which I found bizarre, but he's really good at them, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, he delivered a really nice, deep free kick at the far post, which was headed centrally to Bonucci by Delict, and Bonucci actually managed to head it into the back of the net. Goal, happy birthday. Happy birthday. In the 35th minute, Vaca went out injured and was replaced by Fiordelino, who's quite a tidy little player. Mm-hmm. In the 71st minute, Aramu got an equaliser after Ampadu played the ball in the air to Perez, who chested the ball down to Aramu, who struck the ball on a half volley. It was insane from a distance into the bottom corner. Insane goal. Incredible. Goal, goal, man. Wow. Incredible. And in the 76th minute, of course, it was a birthday double, baby. Birthday boy, happy birthday, Bonucci boy. <laughs> Bonucci once again scored. Once again, it was a Miretti set piece. It was a corner this time. Um, his corner was chested down by Danilo and to Bonucci, who slid in and scored. Happy. So, bro, um, Juve looked like shit again, no? Yep, quite frankly. Agreed. 
but is this what we should expect from them? Just results, results, results? I mean, it's it's what we expected of them from the beginning of the campaign. The difference yes. is from the beginning of the campaign, they weren't getting results, 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 and they weren't playing nice football either. I don't think there has been a period where Juve were playing attractive football and getting good results. I think Juve have been managing to scrape through for the second half of the campaign, I would mm. say, since they got that, that double signing of Vlaovic and Zakaria. And it hasn't improved their football from, from an entertainment standpoint. It's just helped them get more results. Mm. Um, they're going to keep looking like shit. You know, if they keep playing under Allegri, they're going to keep looking like shit. Man. Most likely. Last week, we spoke a little bit about um, Allegri. We spoke about how, considering, you know, the expectations coming into the season, considering the salary he's on, that they should have probably been fighting for the league. To be honest, points-wise, they're not too far off. The recovery in the second half of the season um, was pretty miraculous. good, right? It, it was. It was miraculous, quite frankly. And... Um, Quite frankly, wouldn't be surprised if he stays on. Wouldn't be surprised if he if he's sacked because it depends on what they prioritize, right? It it, it depends and what they, opportunities come around. Mm, I think because they they tried to get out of the Allegri era. They tried with Sarri and then they tried with a young progressive manager in Pirlo, and then mm. they realized that for the time being they're gonna need another couple of seasons with Allegri to kind of stabilize the team before they move on to to a different project. I think Allegri's got another season in him, and then after that, I think Juve will, will look for something a bit more entertaining and, and a bit more Juve, to say the least. Hmm. Interesting. Um, Vlaovic, bro. Uh-huh. What do you think? We, we talk about this often. This is another game without a goal for him. Uh-huh. It's, it's not, simply because he's not getting into situations where he can score, where he can utilize his abilities. You see him, bro, when he's off the ball... His movement of the ball is perfect. Yeah. He doesn't slot into one run, then he gets into another, then he gets into another, then he gets into another. And it's always a delayed pass. It's always a safe option. It, and then it's scrappy goals. Yeah, it's his, a his weird Bonucci doppietta. You know, you know what I mean? You're right. His movement does look good. And probably the fact that he is in the area allows players like Bonucci to maybe go a little bit more unmarked than they normally yeah. would. Yeah. You know, um, They call him 007, bro. <laughs> Zero goals, zero assists, seven games. My God, no, that, then that's actually you'd need to expect more from a striker. Yeah. Um, from that standpoint, that's the same point There's I had made about Tammy right, um, halfway through the season as as well. But just having him there, just having a number nine, has made a massive difference for for you. Having someone that can hold the ball up and having someone Chesney can ping the ball too from yeah. the back or Bonucci rather can ping the ball too from the back. That has made a massive difference for them. But he's not going to be bagging loads of goals for Juve under Allegri. Yeah. Too little too late, right, for Venezia sacking Zanetti? Oh, yes, it should. Uh-huh. I would say it should have come a while ago. But I think so too, right? Um, as they started free-falling in the second half of the season, I think it would have been wise to maybe move on from him. A little bit earlier. Of course, man. Um, definitely not with three games to go. No, with three games to go, like, what's the point of that? It's just it's just a to prove a point. They're saying, like, like, all right, dude, it's your, it's your bad, like... 
Of course, considering how everything started out for Juve, congratulations to them on qualifying for the Champions League. Of course, they can take this as a as a victory with all things considered, you know, Ronaldo leaving last minute and all that stuff. Yep. Um, next year, I'm sure they'll be looking to improve their situation and we'll see what they do. In the summer period as well, man. Yeah. That, that's going to be interesting. It is, it definitely is. So Juve are currently fourth, mathematically qualified with 69 points, one point behind Napoli. They might even sneak into 30. Yep. Um, Venezia are lost with 22 points, six points from safety with a game in hand versus Salernitana. So imagine they win that game in hand, it'll be three points from safety with three games to go, bro. That's, that is, that's tight, tight, tight. So yeah, baby. The next game we're going to be covering is a nil-nil draw in Rome between Roma and Bologna. So the previous encounter was actually a victory for Bologna. It was 1-0 at home. Roma were coming off a 3-1 away loss to Inter and a midweek 1-1 draw to Leicester in the Conference League semi-final, while Bologna are coming off a 2-1 home win against Inter. Bologna are now unbeaten in six matches. Roma have gone goalless twice this season against Bologna for the first time since February of 1977. Before this, Roma had scored in 30 consecutive games against the Emilians. Very interesting, very interesting. So obviously there are no goals to bring to you from this match, but there were some spectacular saves, particularly from Bologna's goalkeeper in Skorupski. He really did a great job in keeping Bologna in this match. And it was quite a tight affair. I would say Bologna once again rose to the occasion, and at least they did what they had to do to get a point. What were your thoughts? Yeah, they played for the draw, to be honest. Um, In Mourinho's post-match comments, he said that the team that wanted to win didn't do enough, of course, implying that Roma wanted to win, of course, to keep their Champions League hopes alive. And the team that didn't want to win did just enough, and the referee allowed them to do so. Yeah, that was right. part of the rant. Yeah, part of Mourinho the Mourinho blames on. everyone. Yeah, So he blamed his players. He blamed Bologna. He blamed his substitutions. He, mm-hmm. he brought on four subs. He made a quadruple change. He said that they didn't do enough. He blamed the Leicester game midweek. Yeah. You know? He blamed yeah. the referees, of course, saying that they fucking just allowed Bologna to fucking slow down the tempo over and over again. Yeah. So it's just funny seeing how this guy operates, you know? Yeah, and, and he singled out his players. Well, he firstly went on to say that Leicester made nine, nine changes yeah. in their Premier League game on the same day. He said, um, the four players I introduced didn't have the impact I expected. Tamian Zalewski didn't play well enough. Karsdorp and Pellegrini did some things. They did um, some things, man. <laughs> <laughs> In the dressing room, man. Yeah. Um, I want to highlight, bro, as well, that Skorupski is really developing into a fucking good goalkeeper, man. Like, I've always rated him as a good keeper, but I always thought he was a little bit clumsy at times. But I think he's really maturing and improving overall. Uh-huh. And I think he's climbed into my list of... Potentially top five keepers in the league. Huh? He's been he's been insane. He was shit in the beginning of the season, and Bologna fans wanted him out. Um, and then you remember there, there was that group of Bologna fans that were defending him, saying you're one of us, you're one of us yeah, yeah, yeah. about Skorupski. So he did have a slow start to the campaign, but he's been on for a while, man. He's been fucking fantastic. Like he's been he really, really, been. really good. Even when Bologna were struggling, he was there. And consistently there. And I don't think they'll be replacing him anytime soon unless he gets a big offer from a bigger team, man. Yeah, man, definitely. Um, And only 30 years old, you know, he's just turned 30. Yeah. 
young for a, for a, for a goalkeeper, goalkeeper in Italy. Um, on the topic of Mourinho, we mentioned that he went on that run. They also went on to ask him about Zaniolo. Mm. And he replied with, you're obsessed with Zaniolo, aren't you? You, the media, the referees, you're all obsessed with Zaniolo. He laughed and walked off. <laughs> Cheers, Mourinho. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for the clarity, dude. What can I say about the that? The reason they asked him that was because Zaniolo played his first 90 minutes in a long time. Um, mm. In reality, they weren't really slandering Zaniolo. They were more no. asking, like, ah, is he back? Like, but, you know, it's true. They, the media does focus a lot on Zaniolo. Especially and probably that was transfer a, rumors yeah, and stuff recently. That was probably well. a, an appropriate reaction by Mourinho there. Fair enough, fair enough. You got to give the man praise yeah. where it's due. Um, but yeah, I don't think I don't think Roma did enough. I think it's part and parcel with with what we've said before about Roma struggling to get goals from open play. You come against a side like Bologna that aren't going to give you that, aren't going to give you those opportunities. Then you're simply not going to get the goals. And they literally did what they had to do to get the point. And I think Roma would be disappointed with their performance here. Yeah, for sure. Kevin Bonifazi came in and he got the job done. Medel, uh, center back, like right Again. back was fine. Like he's been playing quite well recently. Uh, Sao Mauro had a good shift too. Shouting in front of the defense, you know they were they were solid. Bologna, they were solid and they they did the job. Yeah, they're still managing to get shit done and they are they are now six matches unbeaten. So Roma are in fifth on fifty nine points. There's no chance for Champions League. They are level with Lazio and they are three points ahead of Fiorentina and Atalanta. Bologna are in 13th on 43 points. The next game we're going to be covering is Spezia 3, Lazio 4. So sit back and enjoy. Um, The reverse fixture was actually even harder to cover. It was a Lazio 6, Spezia 1, spanking with an immobile hat-trick. Yeah, that was match day two. Yeah. And we were creaming about Sarri's Lazio. Sarri <laughs> Um Lazio were coming off the 2-1 home loss to Milan, while Spezia were coming off a 2-1 away loss to Torino. They are now on a three-match losing streak. Lazio have won each of their last four Serie A matches against Spezia, with both sides finding the net in each game. Well, Yeah, entertaining stuff. In the ninth minute, Spezia opened the scoring thanks to Amian. Verde's ball into the box was headed high by Hristov to Amian, who headed it downwards and passed Strakosha. The goal was scored by the same man who got a red card in the reverse fixture. In the 33rd minute, Immobilis scored a penalty. Um, Nicolau um, handled the ball in the box, basically, um, leaving the referee with no option but to award the penalty. Immobilis stepped up and smashed the ball into the roof of the net, sending Providel the wrong way. In the 35th minute, Kevin Agudelo got one as Cataldi's back pass was too powerful for Patrick, whose touch was too heavy and was therefore tackled by the pitbull Kevin Agudelo, who (laughs) drove the whole way and shipped the outcoming goalkeeper. In the 54th minute, Providel scored an own goal after Zakani's shot hit the post and bounced in off the goalkeeper. (laughs) And then right after, in the 56th minute, Verde hit a free kick perfectly onto the head of Christoph, who scored his first ever Serie A goal. Um, In the 66th minute, Lazio equalised through 
Sergei Milinkovic Savage. A surging ball into the box towards SMS was fumbled by Reka, and Milinkovic Savage, of course, took full advantage, dragging the ball with his right and finishing with his left. Beautiful. In the 80th minute, Zakani almost got the winner, but the post was his best friend this game, or rather, worst enemy yeah. because he kept striking it. Um, tight angle on the left, he shot, hit the right post. Very similar this time, there wasn't um, Providel to, to guide it into the back of the net. Yeah. In the 90th minute, the unlikeliest of goals and the unlikeliest of goal scorers, Acerbi got the winner for Lazio. Um, Luis Alberto gave a through ball to Immobile. Immobile forced Provadel into a save. The ball fell to Luis Alberto, who tried to shoot. He mishit the ball completely and it bounced to Acerbi, who outstepped it over the goalkeeper and into the back of the net. Even past the defender that was on the line, it was the perfect height and everything. Now, if you watch this, Acerbi literally kicks the ball towards the sideline at least that's the way his body was yeah. positioned you know um, i'm not sure if it was intentional or not but what a goal and who else but the controversial man himself who has fallen out of the fans who was accused of laughing after the goal after his error against milan sorry and um, that gave mm-hmm. them the winner at the end but yeah um crazy game bro thoughts so firstly i'm i'm actually happy that Acherby managed to get a 90th minute winner for for Lazio obviously it hasn't been the easiest of seasons for him so it's it's good to see that um I think obviously this was end-to-end stuff and as entertaining as it gets but it's not a good sign for Lazio when you concede three goals to Spezia I think it's not a good sign for anyone when they concede three goals against Spezia like we know Lazio have always been great going forward so it's nothing to write home about that they got four past them you know Immobile Fucking Luis Alberto, Milinkovic, Savic, Anderson, and all these guys. Pedro, as well as Akanyi. Sarri as the manager. Sarri as the manager. They're obviously going to be getting these goals. And and they managed to to get a victory in the the 90th minute in, in in dramatic fashion. But come on. Spezia shouldn't be dragging Lazio through the mud the way that they did, man. Spezia gave them such a tough time, man. It's true. Lazio looked extremely vulnerable as well at the back. And they looked vulnerable on the break. And the Spezia really managed to do some damage at times. Especially on set pieces as well, man. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. Lazio really defended poorly on set pieces. But anyway... Lazio, you, you can't take anything away from how they dominated the game, though. They had 71% ball possession. That's so, man. <laughs> they had nine shots on goal compared to Spezia's three shots on goal that all found the back of the net. I would choose Spezia in this case. That 100% conversion rate. Yeah. You know what I mean? It reminds us of the games against Milan and Napoli that they both won. Too. Yeah, that, that, that's true. That's true. But, ah, man, like, I could criticize Lazio pretty heavily for for this performance obviously it shows great character that they were in that situation and they were down and they managed to to get the victory in the way that they did but I think it's back to the drawing board see what went wrong and you know there's definitely improvements that need to be made from the defensive midfield role to literally the four of their defenders now it's just come out bro that um Sarri. Sarri's mm. renewal is not a guarantee. Okay. Not renewal, sorry. Sarri's stay. might not go on. Yeah, like, exactly. Okay. Because um, apparently Lotito might not be able to give him the tools that he requires to make this a competitive team that can play his style effectively. 
Then why uh, the fuck did they get him in the first place if they're not going to give him the tools for Saribol? Like, Maybe Lotito thinks that the tools are already there, you know. And to be honest with you, the players aren't bad, but investment needs to be made. Um, personally, 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 they have a player who's in his prime right now who would go for a ridiculous amount of money. You know, for Sergei Milinkovic Savic, you would easily get 80 million euros. Oh, you know of, what course, I mean? of course, of um, course. Honestly, sell him, fuck it, bite the bullet, and just improve. Give Sarri what he wants and see what he can do. Like, it's worth it. It's worth the risk, I think, you know? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm never, I'll never be in a situation where I say take, take a player over a manager. So I would definitely encourage them to, to see what they can do with the funds of, yeah. of players like Milinkovic, Savic, for a longer-term project under, under Sarri. I mean, SMS isn't going to be there for his entire career either. I mean, yeah. he's, he's being linked to Juve. The Premier no. League. He's being well. linked to the Premier League as well, but apparently, pinch of salt, he wants to stay in Italy. Mm. Um, but but I, I just don't see the point of getting a manager like Sarri on board, who you know it's going to take two seasons to get the best out yeah. of him because he needs to get the players he needs on board. And, and you're not giving him that year, opportunity. Eh? I mean, not, Chelsea have done it, Juve have done it, and now potentially Lazio will do it. Like Exactly. Give him, give him two seasons, three seasons, that's... You know, at Napoli we saw the best, and at Empoli when he actually had some time over there. Um, Spezia, there's also a rumor about them, uh, about Motta potentially leaving for a new adventure and Pirlo taking the helm Pirlo, over there. Okay. I mean, sure. Yeah, why not? I mean, he's Pirlo. a top four manager for Juve. Yeah, he's a, he, you know, he won a trophy with them. Yeah, I mean... No, the, the cup two. The, the cup or two. the super cup was it? He won the super cup and the cup, but two two trophies in this season. Okay, okay. Well, well, you know, we saw what they managed to do with Motta. The season was a you know somewhat of a new, inexperienced manager. Pirlo could potentially help them improve. I don't see them getting relegated under Pirlo, man. To be to be fair, it could be a good move for them and a good move for Pirlo to get some experience as well. It could be, especially with their transfer ban lifted. You know, they'll be able to bring some players in for the first mm. time in it. what feels like ages. You know, the Spezia team has been the same for so long. Um, that would be exciting, actually, to see to see Pirlo at Spezia, to see Pirlo in a place in an environment without pressure where he can really express himself and we can see what he's all about you know without yeah. the pressure of uh, Juve are conceding Juve didn't win that game is Pirlo good enough is he overrated was he only a good player can players be coaches you know all that stuff yeah mm-hmm. and it's gonna be interesting as well to see Motta if he goes to a bigger club how he's gonna fare over there because he's obviously done a good job with Spezia uh, as good as probably as he could have done yeah. And it'll be interesting to see what he could do with better players to his arsenal, basically. Yeah, we'll see how that develops. Lazio are currently in sixth with 59 points, same amount as Roma, two points ahead of Fiorentina and Atalanta, of course, as Spezia are in 16th with 33 points, seven points from the drop. The next game we're going to be covering is the Monday night game between Atalanta and Salernitana in Bergamo that ended in a 1-1 draw. So the previous encounter was a 1-0 away victory for Atalanta. Atalanta were coming off a 4-4 midweek draw to Torino, while Salernitana were coming off a 2-1 home win against Fiorentina, which had marked three victories in a row for the side from Salerno. Now it's four matches in a row unbeaten. Um, Coming into this game, Salernitana and Atalanta had only managed one combined goal in their last three encounters, and that was the Duvan Zapata goal in the reverse fixture. 
So in the 27th minute, a long ball by Mazzocchi found Juric on the side of the area, who headed the ball square to Ederson, who flew in and finished on the flying volley. In the 88th minute, a wonderful disguised long pass by Malinowski found Pasilic, who squeezed it in from a tight angle. There was a VAR check in place to see if the man was offside, but he timed the pass to per- but he timed his run to perfection, and what a ball it was by Malinowski. Now, for 88 minutes, bro, Salernitana were out of the relegation pool for the first time this season. Yeah, absolutely fucking incredible, man. Like, the David and Nicola miracle. When he arrived, everyone was talking about that Crotona miracle, of course. Um, we but, laughed at it. But like. we, uh, exactly, that's the thing. Everyone was mocking it almost because they were like, as if that's going to happen again because it seemed so far-fetched. But the fact is that um, Genoa and Venezia have, and even Cagliari have remained so shit, mm. have been so consistently poor. <laughs> That it allowed Salernitana with four wins, three no three wins and a draw to be pretty much in contention for salvation. Yeah, they, they and they're the hottest are. team in the relegation pool right 100%. now. One hundred percent. They look much better than Cagliari, for example. Yeah. I mean, they just managed to get a point against Atalanta. Now Atalanta, sure, they've been shit. Atalanta yeah, as well in comparison been. to the rest of the seven sisters, or the top ten as well, even the top ten. But there's still a side that. Come against Spezia and they win. They come against Cagliari and they win. Second, they come against one of these sides. They expose them to shit. But they didn't manage to do that with Salernitana. They mm-hmm. didn't manage at all. Salernitana got an early goal and they held it for 88 minutes, bro. Wow. They did. They did, bro. Um, they had they had the ball. They controlled moments, as you said. Um, they had 38% ball possession, but had nine shots on goal to Atalanta's five. See, so man. in reality, they did in their own way dominate this game. You know, they did have control of this game for the, in their own way. You know, as a ta- as a team that has just come up would want to dominate the game. Exactly, and I would agree with you there, man. Now, Atalanta looked well. well they were they were fighting for a point against Salernitana, <laughs> where you know which which goes to show how far Salernitana have come. Yeah. Now. There are three matches left, four matches left for Salernitana. This is suddenly, suddenly looking incredibly possible for them, man. And it'll be good to have their fans for another season in Serie A. For sure, for sure. And can you imagine like, if they pull this off the scenes in their stadium? My God. Um, I want to say as well, bro, this Ederson guy looks really good, first of all. He's giving mm. me Junior Messias at Crotone vibes, the way he's like, mm. that like Brazilian kind of flair. I'm not even sure if he's Brazilian, but with the name Ederson, I would assume he's Brazilian. You know, <laughs> looking at him, he looks totally Brazilian. So let's, I'm not even going to fact check it, the Brazilian Ederson. Exactly. Um, Juric has the best header in the league. Do you agree with me? Um, I don't know about the best header in the league. But he can definitely utilize his height. He can 100% utilize his height. And using him as that kind of dummy on the side of the area to square balls Mm -hmm. to players like Edison who are going to be diving in. That's not a bad system, man. You know, corner to the far post, he's there. Free kick to the far post, he's there. To the center, he's there and he can head it towards goal. No, he's been been utilized well. Definitely much better than they utilized Simi. Yeah. In the first half of the season, man. Remember, Simi. Yeah, but Simi's kind of a different player. He's tall as well, but he doesn't have that, like... He's not as dominant in the air. 
Simi actually can take the ball down pretty well, he can turn pretty well, he can hold up play well, but he's actually not that good of a header. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I get what you mean totally. He's more that kind of guy that, you know, I'd recommend him more for his control in the air yeah, and his and yeah. his volleys and and, and his poaching ability. Look at his goals; they're all poaching efforts with his feet. You know, he barely scores with his head, even yeah. though he's six six, which is mental. Yeah, facts, facts. So there's definitely still a lot of work for Atalanta to do if they want to get back to the top four next season. There have been a lot of rumors about Gasperini's future yeah, as well. It seems like it's rumor season. It is. I mean, the season's about to end. Summer's coming up. Yeah. Summer. Now, um, the, the, of course, the classic rumors are coming out that Gasperini's future will um, be determined by the Milan game. <laughs> ah, of course. We, now, we can witness his downfall. Imagine. Oh, stop. Imagine. No. This is how the cycle started, no? the Milan cycle. The 5-0 loss to Atalanta and Gasperini dancing. Ah. Imagine it ends with a Milan victory over Atalanta and Gasperini getting sacked. Just like touch every single piece of wood there is in the room. I do not want to talk about Milan-Atalanta. In fact, can we please... Now this is a man who's won down in the prediction series. Can we skip the prediction series for that one like... <laughs> There's no way I'm predicting that. Yeah, I, I hate I hate predicting I hate making predictions about Milan man. I'm yeah. superstitious and I'm fucking yeah. But anyway. In fact I'm always a little bit negative when it comes to Milan the predictions because I hate saying that Milan are gonna win comfortably. Yeah, I'm always moping when Milan play because it makes Milan play better. <laughs> Atalanta are in eighth, they're two points behind Roma and Lazio and level with Fiorentina. Salinitana eighteenth, two points behind Cagliari, but have that game in hand against Venezia. The next game we're going to be covering is Cagliari 1, Verona 2. Cagliari sacked Mazzari, bro. Yep. And they released a social media post that basically says, Walter Mazzari has been sacked. And they, they released another one right after saying that Walter Mazzari's stuff has also been sacked. But this time, they thanked them for their service. But they did not thank um, Mazzari, Mazzari, of course, which is fucking hilarious. No? How, probably, how petty can you be? Yeah, they probably knew what was coming, man. Because it turns out he signed a deal with the club in September, which stated that if Cagliari were to get rid of him when the team were outside of the relegation zone, then he would be entitled to two more years of employment. However, it's now looking like the club are going to choose to pay him off to ensure that he is no longer... On their the books, probably. Yeah. But what a hilarious turn of events, <laughs> yeah. man. Um, to be honest with you, they're, they're really desperate right now. Because they're looking at that game in hand by Salernitana and they're shitting their pants of right now. Course, they they're like, be, we man. need a change. Something needs to happen. Like, fuck it. We'll have this guy on our payroll until 2024. We'll pay him off, whatever. We just need to get out of the situation. They just need a new injection for these three games, man. Yeah, and and I mean clearly this guy isn't the one, you know. Yeah, maybe he's not the one, but you know who is the one, bro? Alessandro Agostini, the oh, Primavera coach, because he's gonna be one? <laughs> he's gonna be fucking leading the line <laughs> for um, from the bench for Cagliari. My God, from now on. how he interesting! He is forty-two years old. He was previously a player that played for Hellas Verona. He's actually featured for Cagliari too. He started his youth career at Fiorentina. And has also played for Empoli, you know, classic journeyman in, in yeah. Syria. Yeah, wishing him the best of luck in this encounter. Yeah, but anyway, Cagliari coming into this game, we're coming off a 1-0 away loss to Genoa, 
Well, Verona were coming off a 1-1 draw to Sampdoria. Um, Verona are now unbeaten in their last seven games against Cagliari. Whoa. What yeah. was the reverse fixture for this one? Uh, nil-nil. Ah, oh, okay. Yeah, cool. So in the 8th minute, uh, Simeone showed some great strength down the right-hand side to outmuscle Dalber and Lovato as he played the ball low and hard into the box um, to Barak, who finished past Cranio. Uh, so Sim- Simeone has been showing some good work ethic recently. Has, this was great play down the right-hand side from him. You can really see who his father is. Hey, hey. Keita Balde hit the crossbar on a very tight angle um, later on. And in the 44th minute, Caprari scored a long ball by Illich fell to Caprari, who cut into the box and finished low and hard into the bottom corner. In the 57th minute, João Pedro scored a free kick on the keeper's side into the top right corner. Yeah, beauty. What a goal, what a goal, what a goal. But of course, Cagliari did not have enough in their locker to actually get anything out of this game. And are currently threatened by the ravaging Salernitana that are lingering below them. Literally. literally. Now, it's not that Cagliari aren't hungry because they're playing their asses off. They but are, it's just really a are. certain lack of quality. It just doesn't tick. You know what I mean? Cagliari don't yeah. tick, man. Which is surprising, man. We've, we've discussed this before. But, you know, you look at the individuals on this team. They... Great. They're good. They're good players. But Great they play like individuals at times, man. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're looking at a lineup. Over here, they have Cranio on goal. They've got Altare and Lovato at the back, who I, I rate them both, basically. Then they have Goldaniga, who's all right. Yeah. I rate Bellanova highly down the right-hand yeah, side. But it's his first full season, to be honest, as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Marin is obviously a good player. They've obviously had Nandez out for a while. And then João Pedro and Keita Balde are two somewhat established strikers, definitely. At least João Pedro definitely is. So this isn't normally a side that you would see get relegated. You could even compare it to the Verona side and say this is going to be a good game if you knew mm-hmm. nothing about football and just about players. <laughs> <laughs> True, uh, you, you you make a good point. Like This is a team, maybe they won't beat Verona, maybe no, losing no. to Verona is okay. But the fact that they are so low in the table is, is astonishing, quite frankly. And yeah. the fact that it's happening year after year lately, you know, it's become a trend, Cagliari being so far down in the table, shows that there's probably a problem at the top you know they're not addressing certain situations short-term fixes um loan deals bringing yeah. in old players who, who just wants to go to sardinia and live on the beach and enjoy yeah. the nice weather you know like mm. godin godin was there and, exactly uh, what's his name caceres as well caceres as yeah. well uh-huh. um but but you know like like you're saying it's definitely a problem at the top and seeing teams like genoa and cagliari potentially going down I'm sorry to say this because I really like both teams, but it fucking, you know, it's deserved. It's yeah. deserved that these two sides get relegated. And then seeing teams from Bear coming up and staying up is what we want to see. At the end of yeah. the day, in the beginning of the season, we were getting questions asking us what are this area going to do to stop the three teams that get promoted going We're down, going inevitably down true, going true. down. And, and here we are in a situation like this. We're in a situation where the two teams that deserve to be punished in the league are being punished. You know, exactly. Genoa and Cagliari, the two disappointing ones in the transfer market, the two ones with the short-term solutions, quick fixes. Um, Sampdoria are, always, are also there with their quick fixes and their lack of activity in the transfer market, but they seem to be getting away with it for now. Yeah, for so now. So we'll see, we'll see how yeah. that progresses down the years. 
So uh, what was that 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 Lippi said? I know that Lippi said that that Tonali has been the best player in the league so yeah. so far, which is obviously debatable. But Tonali has 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 grown significantly. But he also said that Tudor is the best performing manager this season. Do you agree with that? Considering how Di Francesco started, um, Tudor is definitely in the list of most impressive managers this season. Mm. Um, I would not say that he's the best uh, this season, the most impressive. I would say that he's third, probably. Well, potentially fourth. Let me explain. So if touch would Milan win the league, that would make um, Pioli the best manager of the season, for sure, because he would have won it through... Against all odds with all these injuries and problems and controversial calls and whatever, he would have won the league, right? Yeah. Then there's, of course, Vincenzo. With, with those two players yeah. leaving on a free, crazy. Like. Yeah. If Inter win the league, okay, granted, you can say Inzaghi, of course, because no one expected Inter to win the league, you know. But yeah. Inzaghi had contest foundation laid out for him. He's with the defending champions. So in reality, it's not that impressive, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Um, Italiano. 100 billion percent one of my favorite managers in the league absolutely transformed them and I would say third would be Nicola if he manages to survive oh yeah yeah. and and you know what there are managers like Juric who are a good shout as well he completely transformed Torino as well There, there are a couple of Look, I rate Italian managers a lot, man. And mm-hmm. Italian managers, I saw recently, have been the most successful managers in Europe Yeah, as well. That makes sense. Yeah, 100%. The tactics of Serie A. <laughs> so, of course, um, as we've mentioned before, Cagliari sits 17th with 28 points, while Verona sits 9th with 52 points. That, my dude, is straight facts. So, the next game we're going to be covering is Empoli 1, Torino 3. So, the reverse fixture was a 2-2 draw. Between these sides, Empoli were coming off a 3-2 home victory over Napoli, while Storino were coming off that midweek 4-4 away draw to Atalanta. Empoli and Torino have faced each other 20 times in Serie A, 9 draws, 4 wins for Torino and 7 for Empoli. Empoli had been unbeaten at home to Torino in the past 9 games in Serie A, so this obviously broke that Torino curse. So for the play-by-play, Pinamonti missed a big chance as he chipped the oncoming Berisha but failed to hit the target um, at the beginning of the second half. In the, 52nd, in the 56th minute, rather, Zurkowski found the net. It was a shot from distance into the bottom corner. Berisha got a hand to it but failed to keep it out. It was one of those dragging shots. In the 68th minute, just four minutes later, there was a red card for Verri after a VAR check. His studs were up. It was a late challenge on Pellegri and it was rightly awarded. In the 78th minute, it was the start of Gallo's show. There was a penalty awarded after a VAR check. The keeper tracked the penalty very well, but there was too much power and too much precision on Bellotti's strike. He did a quick Gallo away a Hamoru, you know. He, <laughs> he picked up the ball, did one of those. Yeah. And, and like, he just continued. A quick hand on forehead and just run away. like Exactly. In the 85th minute, Stojanovic's handball in the area after a Richie shot got Torino their second penalty and Stojanovic's second yellow card, so he got sent off and Torino got awarded another penalty. Bellotti stepped up and there was the exact same outcome. He went the same side with the same power, keeper attracted, but again, too much power and too much precision. What a penalty by Gallo. In the 96th minute, Gallo got his hat-trick, Brecola did well to pull the ball back from the byline to Gallo, who finished sliding in. So, let's instantly address the Gallo 
hat yes, trick. Yes, please. I have something I would like to say about this. Of course. So this is Bellotti reminding everyone that he's still a prolific striker and Serie A that can still score goals and be useful for many teams. We saw that Roma um, have been interested in him. We saw that Milan have been interested in him. And we have seen that Atalanta have been interested in him. I think that an ideal destination for him would be actually Atalanta or Roma right now. Possibly, I would even say Roma. Just go to Roma and fucking... um, be like Tammy's sub. Tammy needs a sub player right now. Shomorodov has not been good enough, um, quite frankly. And I think having Bellotti to rotate with Abraham would be really good. And even playing them together. At uh, yeah, I was be. I was going to say, Mourinho's been utilizing that two mm-hmm. up front. He's been playing Zaniolo up yeah. front and Zaniolo's been linked with a move away. He might definitely be a good coup for Roma. Mm-hmm. But it's interesting that you say Roma and Atalanta when they both have strikers and Milan definitely need a striker. So yeah. is what you're saying that Bellotti doesn't have what it takes to be the leading striker of a league-challenging team? If Bellotti goes to Milan, I don't think he should be the lead striker. And, and I think that Investcorp or Elliot, any of them, would not allow that to happen, especially after the season that Milan have had. You know, yeah. I think that it's about time that they get someone prolific up front, quite frankly, mm. uh, invest a little bit heavily on a striker. I'm not opposed to Milan getting Bellotti. You, you know how I feel about him. But Bellotti isn't a player that you can go into the Champions League with and he'll turn the game around for you. You know what I yeah. mean? Bellotti is a player you get to cement that top four spot in the league. You know what I mean? Mm. He's a player that you'll get. He's going to score against the lower sides, the minnow sides. He's going to perform domestically and he's going to guarantee you the CL qualification for the next year. That's yeah. how you utilize Bellotti. So it would be good, for example, for Roma, if they have European football one day, for example, if they qualify mm. for the Champions League next season. Hopefully. They can play Bellotti in the league and rest Tammy for the Champions League, for example. You exactly. Know what I mean? Exactly. I mean, even the way that, that Bellotti plays, he is great as an injection, isn't he? Yeah. I mean, he comes on, he shows grit, he's great at holding the ball up. He'd be great in a situation where you need a goal and it'd be great in a situation where you need to hold the result. It's true. It's true. He's, he's great in those scenarios. So it would be good to see him slightly rotated I think we'd see the best of him if he were in that position I think that unfortunately his best days are slightly behind him in the sense that he's not going to have another season that's going to put his price up to 80 million I, I simply yeah, yeah, that's, that's I simply don't market see that value wise you're absolutely right yeah but but it, it will be a move away I mean his contract he, he's running down his contract and it'll be interesting to see there's also a move to Canada potentially on the cards to join to join oh, yeah. Insignia We'll see. Twenty-eight years old, Bellotti. Yeah, yeah. Still, still, you know. Still, well, he's in his, young, he's yeah. in his prime, he's, and he's been plagued by injuries that's throughout like, his prime. That's like twenty-four in Serie A. Exactly. <laughs> so Torino are keeping up the momentum, bro. They're they're on a good run, and they have been for a while over here. They had a slight dip, not a slight dip, but a significant dip midway through the season, where they kind of proved that they weren't top ten, top ten worthy, and that Verona and Sassuolo were better sides essentially but if they show continuity under Juric I'm sure we'll be seeing a top 10 side next season potentially I think so too I think they will sneak into the top 10 next year they definitely have what it takes yeah two red cards for Empoli from sheer frustration and and lack of discipline I would say Um, again obviously Empoli are coming off an, an inspiring victory over Napoli 
But how significant is that when you look at Empoli's form in the second half of the season? I don't think it's that significant. No, it's not. Um, of course, that's going to be one of the highlights of their season, if not the highlight. You know, just looking at Pinamonte running with all the fucking, the whole squad running onto the pitch and he's take, he t- takes off a shirt, he's running between yeah. them, you know. Uh, the scenes were immaculate and it's probably going to be their moment of the season. But again... They could, the hangover was instant, you know, instant, yeah. boom, reality check once again, Torino, got exactly. off the bench hat-trick, you know, exactly. like you're fragile, you're clumsy, you're yeah. mentally, you, you're not there. And you made a point earlier on in the pod that said that because Empoli survived, they should keep Andrea Zoli for another season. Do you think that's still the case or do you think they need, you know, someone a bit more progressive perhaps? In reality... I think that in Andrea Zoli's contract, there's written that survival is your objective, right? Mm-hmm. Most most likely, let's be real. I mean, they did finish first in the league, but that was under Dionisi uh, in Serie B. But, so yes, I think that if he achieves the goal of the season, the, the aim, then you should remain on board. Yeah, I think it's only fair. I, I don't think so. I think, like, if you, if you reassess halfway through the season and you see, like, all right, we're in this position... Let's monetize this. What are we going to do? What's the secondary goal? What's the secondary target? And, you know, you barely register a win. You get you get one win in the second half of the campaign. Then I think you're signing up for a shit season next season because your team is playing shit. And I think if your team is playing shit, then you need a new manager. And I think they need it. It's Andrea Zoli's second stint at Empoli. You know, they lost, they lost Dionisi mm-hmm. after getting promotion to, to Serie A. I think a new manager might be on the cards for them, man. He has been complaining about the the squad. He's, you remember the blanket and Alisson? Yeah, yeah. I took it completely the wrong way, yeah. I remember as well. <laughs> um, maybe that's all he needs, a few more tools. I, I wonder what they'll do, to be honest. The second half of the season has, been, has definitely been worrying and the owners will definitely have a think about it. But once again, we'll wait and we'll see. Yeah, we'll Very wait exciting. and we will see. So Torino are actually in 10th place after Sassuolo dropped, you know, points in three matches on the trot, a total of nine points that were dropped. They're on 47 points. Empoli, on the other hand, are 14th on 37 points. Yes, sir. The next game we're going to be covering is the Derby della Lanterna, the Derby of Genoa, Sampdoria against Genoa, which ended 1-0 to Sampdoria. The reverse fixture was a 3-1 away victory to Sampdoria. That was when Genoa looked really bad, to be yeah, honest. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. At the beginning of the season, when they just got thumped by Inter 4 and they were just losing everything. Exactly. Sampdoria were coming off a 1-1 away draw against Verona, which was a good result for them. Yep. Um, Genoa were coming off a dramatic 1-0 win over Cagliari. So both teams were coming into this relatively inspired, probably Cagliari, mo- oh, Genoa more than um, Sampdoria. Yeah. This was the 78th edition of the Derby della Lanterna, 31 wins for Sampdoria and this fixture, 18 wins for Genoa and 28 draws. This could be the last Derby della Lanterna for a while, unless potentially we see it in Serie B next year, who knows? Yeah, who knows? Who the fuck knows? Or unless they both survive, who knows? Mm. Not us. In the 25th <laughs> minute, Abdelhamid Sabiri scored... A goal. Finally, bro. Finally. We've been talking about this guy for a while. He works so hard. He presses so hard. He finally got a goal. And this is definitely one that he'll remember because he's going to go down as a hero for yeah. getting the winning goal in the Derby della Lanterna. 
Yeah. Okay, it was in the 25th minute, a cross from Augello out wide made its way into the center of the area and Sabiri came sliding in to convert his first and only goal of the season. In the 38th minute, Storaro went out injured for Portanova. And in the 46th minute, Crescito entered the fray in the stead of Vasquez. Now, this is particularly noteworthy because of what happens later on. In the 96th minute, where a VAR check confirmed a penalty for Genoa. There was a handball in the box by Alex Ferrari. Crescito stepped up. Um, Crescito is known to be a rigorista, a penalty specialist. He had like five in the first few games of the season. All converted. All converted, you know. And I actually told you, yep. as he was stepping up to you take it. You literally said, like, Krishita has one penalty miss in him a season, and, and this he is does. it. He like... does. That, that's the thing, because I, I follow him closely on fa- fantasy football, <laughs> actually. Um, he misses a penalty. He's a very good penalty taker, but he always misses one a season. I was like, he hasn't missed one this season, and this is probably the last one they're going to get. He just looked nervous, He did man. look nervous. He looked so he looked nervous. So like he nervous. was feeling the pressure of the moment. He stepped up and his effort was well saved by Odero and he was inconsolable after Crescita. He was crying, he was putting his shirt over his face, his teammates were called, rivals were coming up to him telling him it's alright bro, like you're off to America, you're gonna make money, <laughs> you don't need to worry about this. But I just think he was like hyper aware that that was probably his last moment in a Genoa shirt and he's been there for so long bro. Recently I posted a clip of um, um, on TikTok of fucking, what was it again? Uh, Shit. <laughs> Shit. You can't, can't remember, dude. You can't do can't it, bro. You can't. You can't. Who was it? It was, a, it was a back three, basically. There was a back three. Ah, the Derby della Lanterna, the OG one. And in defense, there was Tiago Motta alongside Crescito and someone else. You can't do it, dude. Dude. You can't do it. <laughs> Ivan Juric. Oh, Juric. Yes. Okay. 2009. See, bro, you did it. Yeah, wow. Um, <laughs> 2009 and Krishida was playing alongside two men who are managing right now. You That's know? actually crazy. It That's is. a good find by you. Well done. Thank you very, very much, brother. Thoughts? Did um, Sampdoria deserve all three points? Um, It's tough to say in the Derby della Lanterna. I feel like whoever gets away with the victory deserves the victory in this case because they simply rose to the occasion and they got the job done now obviously it was unlucky that Chris Chitton missed the penalty it's a fantastic save by Audero I just think that all round Sampdoria this season although they've been fucking abysmal they have been better than Genoa and they got the better of them twice and there should be no excuses over there for Genoa yes it's safe to say that uh, that Genoa is blue and white at the moment um, poor Genoa. Um, this is what they get for not cleaning their their gift shop. Because when I went in, it was absolutely fucking disgusting. <laughs> there were cobwebs on the fucking ceiling. There was like fucking smegma on the stairs. It. Like <laughs> disgusting, bro. The first episode, I think yeah. you mentioned. That. I, I wow. walked in. I walked in, and the guy at the desk barked at me. <laughs> I walked in, and he went. Rrr. Like what the f- I'm like, where the fuck am I? Like, I understand that you guys just lost four in a Milan kit. Like, no, no, I wasn't in a Milan kit. I actually went to buy a Goran Pandev kit. Bro. Ah, you're saying at the gift shop, yeah, not the match. No, no, the gift store. The gift all store. right, all right. But yes, bro. Um, let's conclude that over here. Genoa are 19th with 25 points, three points from safety, while Sampdoria are 15th with 33.7 from the drop. Uh, 
got a question. Welcome back to our question segment. To drop a question, you can follow us on Twitter or Instagram. We post every week taking your questions and or hot takes. You can actually just say something that you believe and we'll tell you if you agree, we agree with you or not, quite frankly. If we don't agree with you, we'll make fun of you. Yeah. Lots. And we'll call you names and stuff. <laughs> exactly. So our first question, oh, about three questions, not two. Hey. Comes from Jack underscore motivates our boy our on fucking Instagram. Boy, he's off the fucking Bali soon. A year in Bali oh, or something than a year in Australia. He's, he's, he's so nuts. the type, bro. He is literally the type. He says, Serie B, the best league ever. The, the, the greatest season of all time. Quite oh, like definitely the greatest season, man. What a season it's been. It's so bit. it's going to be interesting to see Lecce in Serie A once again. There's Monza that are basically there. They're battling it out with Cremonese. And I'm really excited to see how the yeah. how the playoffs are going to go with either Monza or Cremonese. And there's Pisa, Brescia, Benevento. We're seeing some, some teams that, yeah. that have had a couple of spells in Serie A. Some new names as well. And... Just go through the points for a second, bro. Dude, Ascoli are on 62 points in 7th. Benevento on 63 points in 6th. Brescia on 5th with 63 points. Pisa on 4th with 64 points. Cremonese in 3rd with 66 points. Monza in 2nd with 67 points. And Lecture in 1st with 68 points. Literally just one point above That's each other. That's fucking like, crazy, man. It is, it it's is. It's crazy. I can't wait for the playoffs. The man. playoffs are going to be massive, honestly. Honestly, can't wait either. But yes, Jack, 100%. This has been the best Serie A campaign in a while. Uh, unfortunately, we don't manage to tune in as much as we would like, obviously, because we'd be watching Serie A. But, but the playoffs are... Yeah. We're booked out for them, 100%. Oh my God, Serie A playoff segment. <laughs> we do it. We do it. So our next question comes from your boy, Cesco. Cesco! What up? This guy, I I like him a lot as a person, but he's a Roma fan in Malta, which is very rare. And he's named after Francesco Totti, which is fair yeah. enough. He's a guy named Cesco and he supports Roma, so that makes total sense. Yeah, fair enough. Shout out, shout out. So I feel sorry for you. Um, <laughs> he says, who disappointed you this season and who performed, no, who exceeded your expectations? Now, I'm not sure he's talking about teams, players... Uh, let's. Uh, I I took the angle of players. Okay. I, I did take the angle of players. Okay. Um, I would start off obviously with, with with a bit of bias. I would say the players that exceeded my expectations. There are three in particular, and they were all in a Milan shirt. Four in particular, actually, and they were all in a Milan shirt. Okay. So number one is Magic Mike Manian, one hundred percent. After losing Donnarumma on a free. Who would have thought that this guy was going to come in and just be the best goalkeeper in the fucking world? But he was like, so hyped at Lille as well, bro. Like, you remember I was showing you videos of But we were watching and videos and I remember saying, this guy keeps spills the ball in play. Yeah. He, spills, he mm. spills a lot. He leaves the ball in the attacker's path. And he hasn't shown us an ounce of that. And I That's mean, true. the fact that he is a quarterback for Milan. He's not <laughs> only a goalkeeper. He's a fucking quarterback for Milan. The balls that he pings, he is essential to he this is. squad. He really and he's is. proved his importance off the bat. I'd say the second one that has impressed me tremendously out of nowhere is Pierre Kalulu. Mm-hmm. Losing Pierre, Romagnoli of form, Gabias, Philly is going to Sampdoria and then he's not. But Kalulu stepped in and he's been one of the best centre-backs in the league this season. Mm-hmm. Number three, Tonali, one of the best centre midfielders in the league. 
it seemed like in the beginning of the campaign, I'm like, all right, Tonali's looking confident. He's just looked confident throughout. He hasn't mm. dropped the ball. True. There was slight criticism when he was being overplayed, but shut the fuck up, like... And he, he's literally been one of the best performers overall this season. And then Leao was not expecting him to carry the way that he has been. Yeah. When it comes to moving the ball forward, which is where Milan kind of lack. He gets the ball into the box like there's no tomorrow. And True. he's provided spectacular moments. I'm not surprised that he's had certain dips in, in form and concentration. But I am surprised that his fucking runs of good form have lasted as long as they have. Yeah, bro. Um, I have to agree with you when it comes to Milan. Kalulu, Tonali and Leao all exceeded my expectations. Um, other notable mentions from the league, I would say Perisic. Has, I did not expect him to have such a good season, so consistent mm. over the board, you know. So he's a fantastic player, quite mm. frankly. Tammy Abraham. Bro. Tammy Abraham exceeded my expectations. I didn't think he'd like get 20 goals, you know mm. what I mean? Um, and also Giovanni Simeone, bro. 100%. As well as um, there was another one I had in mind. As a as a manager, Davide Nicola, one hundred percent exceeded my expectations. Ah, and Pedro, bro. Oh wow, and Pedro. I nice. didn't think Pedro would do this well, to be honest with you. But nice. he, but he's he's done fucking well, very very well. He really has, and the players that have you know disappointed dis- disappointed us. Simi I... disappointed the fuck out of me. At yeah, Simi, did Simi really did. I think I think it's a safe bet to say that Insigne has had been yeah. a bit disappointing. He picked up, funnily enough, after his move to um, Toronto was done, he seemed to pick up mm-hmm. slightly, and he, and he was contributing. But I think overall, as a season, um, Insigne struggled a little bit. Other players that have kind of disappointed Shomorodov. Shomorodov. I expected Shomorodov. way more from Shomorodov. What the hell is this? But that's that's probably us. I I think I think we, no, we he had was, a high. He was decent at Genoa, though. You know, and he's the we were people even pundits. They were saying that he's the perfect Mourinho player. You know, mm. he's tall. He's technical. He's quite quick. He's a good finisher. Mm-hmm. But he hasn't shown that at all at Roma. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, other players Bakayoko Bakayoko 100% and and there's a bunch I could mention from Milan but unfortunately didn't feature enough for for me to call them disappointing Um, I would also say that I would say that a couple of Atalanta players have been disappointing man and I will say that the, the front two in Muriel has been quite disappointing. Obviously, I'm not going to blame Milicic whatsoever for being out as long as he has. But I would also say that Zapata, he, he was out for a long time this season and he came yeah. back. He was rushed back in and he was injured. So no fault of his own, but I can't help but be a bit disappointed. Fair enough. Fair enough. Boga also disappointed me, it has uh... to be said. He... He was a 20 million euro signing and typically Atalanta don't make big signings. They make small mm. signings and they explode. So I thought, you know, they get a 20 million guy, he's going to explode even harder. No, that's so that yeah. was not that yeah. was not the case at all. Then again, Coop Miners, Pasalic definitely surprised Impressive. me. Yes, Coop Miners particularly, yes. 100%. But but yeah, bro, we could make an entire 11 out of out of both on on Instagram if yeah. you'd like so it'd be quite a fun exercise. It would. Enzola uh, disappointing as well, Musabaro disappointing as well. There's so many, man. Oh, man. Uh, and let me tell you what, there is a shout for 
two of those goalkeepers, Handanovic and Chesney, but they both picked it They've up. They've both picked but it up. But one of them will make it into it, I yeah. would say. Probably. We'll we'll do something. We'll take this to social yeah. media somehow. Yeah. Good question. Good question. Very, very good. Now, our final question comes from at Rado Inter on Twitter. Thank you very much for your question. I wish I could read your name, but I do not understand. Hey, that, that, look, that looks pretty difficult. Yeah. <laughs> but thank you very much for tuning in if you are. Uh, he asks, will the Bala's possible move to Inter affect on current Milanese squad? Whose place is under risk and will it have negative influence on the team now? Um, yeah, so Dybala has been rumoured to be leaving Juventus and going to um, Inter. Apparently, the yeah. Di Marzio did deny that anything has been agreed. But of course, he's going to do that because they're not going to actually say yeah. yes. It, it was made official on Gazzetta. It was when and Gazzetta aren't known for their for nailing transfers. Basically, it was picked up then by mm-hmm. IFTV, and then like Puberty Sport posted and they credited IFTV. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know IFTV don't normally break news, news. but they rather relay. So yeah. I found it a bit funny that they put them that they credited them. Yeah, as a, as a news source. Yeah. yeah. Um, but interesting, definitely interesting. He'll he'll bring good spells and he'll bring bad yeah. spells to say the least. Huh? I don't think he'll disrupt the squad at all. I think he'll bring actually a ton of quality. And if you pair him up front with, um, you know, you play him like in his Palermo no, days as, as a striker, literally as a striker, you get him in that rotation. You offload Sanchez maybe because his salary is high. Sanchez. His salary is high. So you huh? have you know Correa, Zeko, Lautaro, Dybala. Yeah, and and but I I've been hearing that Lautaro. Because Inter have, have these financial mm-hmm. woes. Might be on his way out. He might right? be on his way out. As and well as considering, Dumfries. As well as Dumfries. Considering that... Everything with a pinch of salt, as always. Mm-hmm. Um, considering that they can make due with Zeko and that they bring the best out of players like Zeko, I could see it happening. Yeah. I could definitely see Dybala starting up front as a secondary striker alongside someone like Zeko or maybe a new yeah. signing over there as well. Um, now, will it affect them having players like... Chalanoglu and Dybala both in the team that can both tend to be streaky that that's where I would get a bit concerned for Inter because they're adopting these players that that you know have poor spells and then they have great spells but when they have these great spells obviously phenomenal Mm -hmm. but they're molded into a system that's effective more often than not no this 3-5-2 of Inzaghi the question is will they fit the system will they excel um, in the system Okay, so on paper, Dybala, no, right, in a 3-5-2. Mm. But no, as an attacking midfielder, as a striker, it could work. It could work as a striker. Why not? Um, and granted, if he's streaky, you know, you add depth, man. That's it. That's it. And uh, Like, look at Inter at the start of the season when they still had Sensi on board. Mm. You know, they, they, could, they had the like for like change for so many players in that midfield. Now that's kind of gone in the midfield, but you know... Um, their depth has always been one of their strong points and I do feel like um, it will continue to be one of their strong points with or without Dybala. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, they're getting a versatile player as well. Someone that can play out wide, that can play attacking midfield, that can play in a, a, a striker's role as well. Um, I'm definitely slightly, slightly jealous because Dybala, when he's on, he can be one of the greatest players in the league. But then again, I do anticipate that he, he will, you know, be injured a lot. Yeah. Um, and that might cause the team to struggle, especially if, if they don't have a backup for him. Um, but, but yeah, that, that's, that's, pretty much, that's pretty much my take on, on the Dybala situation. 
Yes, sir. I I gave mine too. I think we can pretty much conclude. Yeah, I think we can call this a day. It's quarter yeah. past one in the morning, guys. We have work tomorrow. We have work tomorrow. We busted this one out for y'all because we love you. Thank you very much for tuning in, guys. We're entering the last three games of the season. We're super, super pumped for them. Remember, you could get a nice brief over here on Serie A Spotlight for them. They're not always short. They're not always straight to the point. But they're a good time, I would say. Yeah, I would say so. Well, I hope so. <laughs> I hope so. So follow us on our socials. Give us a nice little rating as well. And most importantly, most importantly, engage with us and um, ask us questions. Give us your hot takes. And we'll make sure to give you guys a shout out. I fucking love you.